could you explore sustainability and greening of sport? Brace yourself, Sarah Stewart has got is writing notes again. All that I I would argue it's not how the thing is fueled that is the main issue. It, it's how we the transportation and manufacturing costs behind the machinery which and that's that needs looking at. This is the People's Countryside Environmental Debate Podcast, and before we go any further, I'd like to say I am the podcast. What did you just call the podcast there? I don't know. I think it was diabetic or something. I, what, what word came out there? I don't know. I have to listen back. This is the People's Countryside Environmental Debate Podcast. Who are you? I'm, I'm, I'm the co-host to you. I'm William Mankelow. Thanks very much for being with us. Especially, you know, everybody, we've got so many new listeners recently and so many new listeners, you know, we're hitting about 7,000 7, listens a month now, aren't yeah. we? Which yep. is incredible. So thank you very much. Everybody who's listening to the podcast now and everybody's going back. And if you haven't listened to our whole entire back catalogue, there's over well over 300 episodes or 300 mm. pieces of material, you could call it, um, to listen back to. Go right back to the first one, which is, an, which is an, we had a guest... Um, Pete Hughes, from, who was working at the Oxford Mail at the time, yep. uh, right back at the start, you know, go, go back and listen to it. You can listen to the evolution of this podcast. Mm. He spoke about evolution as well during that. Anyway, so... He used, also used the word anthrop- anthropomorphic yep. at the time. And at the time, I didn't actually know what anthropomorphic meant. <laughs> I had to look it up. <laughs> but when you listen back, you th- he winged it well. He thought he did. Who is William Manclow? Um, I'm, I'm a photographer. I'm a long-term... I've, I've been a musician most of my life as well. I love playing music. In fact, I was playing some music this weekend in, in the lovely town of Maidenhead. Were they a city or a town? I don't town. know. It doesn't really matter. They're by the railway, and anyway, we were doing some music there. Who are you, Stuart? Well, well, William and I tried to be a friend in your ear during these challenging times, and I'm Stuart, the wild man, Mabba, and my job is just making nature part of people's daily life in as many ways as I possibly can. We're not experts, we're just two guys who get set questions by you, the listener, or listeners, seven and a half thousand of you a month, as uh, William said. We're here to change the narrative and broaden it out, and we try and be a world-scale podcast that tries to normalise the issues that we all face. If there's a question somebody wants to Get, get off their spleen how can they email at us William peoplescrunchyside.gmail.com also we're all over social media like a rash so who's a the nice quest- rash but still a rash well I've got some um, topical um, steroidal cream if you want to if you've got a nice rash you want to sort out it works because I've got rid of mine uh, anyway that's that, another issue that does remind me of a joke about Father Christmas having a mince pie stuck up his backside go on well he went to the doctors didn't he and the doctor says alright I've got some cream for that ha <laughs> ha so who's the question from? It's Carline in Timoth, Devon. Um, Beautiful place. Oh, it's an absolutely stunning part of the world, isn't it? The, 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 I, friend of mine's buried there. All right, okay. Wait, what, he's friend? dead. He's not alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good distinction to make. I used to go when I was younger. I was a child. I used to go down to Torbay a lot for summer holidays, and I, I knew I was in Devon because the rock colour dramatically changes, doesn't it? Yeah. And Timoth is right on the on the far end of the Dawlish seawall, and you've got that yeah. huge. All those beautiful cliffs in that like like almost like dark terracotta colour, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, and he's buried in a graveyard that overlooks that. Oh well. Oh. Well. But anyway, the question then from Carline: Could you explore sustainability and greening of sport? Now I've done some research on this, Carline, because I didn't really know much about it. Brace and, uh, yourself, Sarah Stewart has got is writing notes again. Yeah, and. Um, something I, I I was thinking: we need to encourage positive change drive sustainability across sport 
from product and fabric manufacturing process that you know amateurs and professionals use mm. um to to behavioral change in response to the changing climate we've sort of spoken about this the conservation of our green spaces to enable us to keep being able to play sports those three things uh, no matter how i thought about this the materials and the products we use the the the, the resources the sites the space we use yeah, yeah. and also the behavioral change that the, the, those things are at the core of this and i'm not sure where well carline says could you explore sustainability in sport and i was just about to say i'm not sure if we're going in the right direction but she's just given us a remit to explore any old way so what are your initial thoughts my initial thought is can every single sport be sustainable I think it can be more sustainable. Um, I was talking, because uh, previous podcast, I said I felt blue. Well, I've gone blue. My hair's gone blue. Look online, find out. And uh, and I was confronted the other day with um, uh, somebody who was uh, slagging me off about dyeing my hair blue, because I've dyed it blue to keep the conversation going uh, around uh, the fact that the seas and oceans, well, done various shades of blue, to be honest. The seas and oceans uh, hold a lot of the solutions to the climate challenges we face. And I said to this person, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. So I- I'm not sure, to answer your question, William, do, can any sport be sustainable? I don't think every sport has to be completely sustainable, but I think every sport can do it better. I was immediately thinking of motorsport, for example. You know, you're a big fan of Speedway, isn't? Isn't the <sighs> yeah? Because that's that's fossil fuels being burnt for, for those very and they're very intense races as well, aren't they? Oh, it's an alcohol-based fuel. It's methanol. So the, there's one one thing I'd say is it, the the races are only a minute long. Mm. It's a very fast-burning fuel. Mm. but there's a load of hidden stuff because a lot of the riders need to travel all over the world to race. There's yes. there's the manufacturing process of the bikes. All yes. that, I, I would argue, it's not how the thing is fueled that is the main issue. It, it's how we the transportation and manufacturing costs behind the machinery, and which, that's, that needs looking at. Which is exactly my, was going to be my next point. It was mm. going to be that that's a bigger issue. Yep. So if you think about, uh, think about any motorsport, or any any sport, but motorsport in particular, because Formula One's a great example. Mm. I mean, how, how much how much um, carbon is based is just 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 on the fact of moving people and stuff around the world. Mm. Um, it's the same for football as well. I know <coughs> that some a lot of Premier League teams will fly internally because mm. it's much quicker and much easier. Again, that's producing a lot of pollution for because it just it's just simpler. But, you know, if you rather than say um, Newcastle United are playing somewhere like Chelsea or something like that it's probably much easier for them to fly mm. um, quicker rather than and it's also better for the players as well physically because they're not sitting down for hours and ending a coach mm. uh, it's much quicker and better for their health but then it's not it's less sustainable of course isn't it than being on a coach but I think um, sport especially football in the UK they're role models so they can have a much more subliminal impact on wider sustainability. Now, William, imagine there's a manager on the television screen and there's a live football match being played and his team isn't doing very well and he gets very angry. Paint the picture. What what could you see? How would he, how he or she, would they express their anger? 
So this is our, bear with me on this, people. Uh, role models. How would the manager show disapproval? Well, it depends on the manager, but often it can be through deflection because it's not their fault. Okay, but when the cameras are on them and they're not speaking, what vis- when they're actually getting angry... Well, they could often be just, you know... They could be berating the fourth official. Yeah, it could just be be physically active on the on the touchline. But some will just stand there and do nothing. Okay, others will pick stuff up and throw it. Throw it, yeah. Well, well what what might they pick up and throw? Water bottles. Yes, we got there in the end. It's like pulling teeth. So you got sixty thousand people. Have you, have you ever seen Arsene Wenger? He got sent off for <laughs> kicking the water bottle and really hitting yeah. somebody. Yeah, now, uh, so you get 60,000 people, if you're lucky, in a football stadium. 65 if you're a Swindon Town supporter and you're on some <laughs> wacky-backy. Anyway, it expands your horizons somewhat. Anyway, and uh, you get the manager and you've got all these millions of people watching it on telly and the manager picks up a water bottle and throws it in disgust. That's a plastic water bottle. You know, just think about it. You know, that's an opportunity there to product placement, an alternative to plastic. You know, because... Seaweed and kelp. There's there's a lot of um, packaging being made out of that, and it's only single use. But uh, when you actually put it in water, it dissolves again. So mm. maybe when a manager's getting a bit angry, you know, have an alternative type of bottle. You know, <laughs> just you know, random subliminal messaging like that. Because what's the lifespan of most most sporting equipment as well? You know, and, and how can that be? Yeah. made more sustainable because it's yeah. sporting equipment it's also the, like I said it's the travel as well mm. um, also when you think about football uh, here in the UK there's a lot of people travelling outside of the football club as well the supporters mm. themselves I remember being on a trip to I went to I went to watch Oxford play Bury away a club that doesn't mm. actually exist anymore they beat us 3-0 because we were terrible and they were better than us mm. um, we, we, we got to I think it was a a service station somewhere near Stoke, I think it was. Mm. And there was, I counted the, I spoke to fans of about seven different clubs apart from our own because they were all, it was a, a meeting point. Somebody was going off to Plymouth, somebody was going off to London, somebody was going mm. off to Birmingham, somebody was going off in here and there and everywhere. Mm. Uh, so you think about all those people that move, especially on a Saturday, again, that's a, how do you make that more sustainable? I know mm. we, there's, there's a lot of clubs have supporters coaches, but that's not always the case. Mm. Now, when I was looking around this uh, subject, Carline, I came across uh, an organisation. We'll put a link in the uh, description. Limelight Sports. And they specialise in sports participation and give opportunities for people to take part because they feel an active world is a happy world. That's quite a bold statement, but we'll put a link in. Now, they openly say they are aware that they have an environmental impact um, by doing what they do. Um, but they are working on making themselves sustainable as they are involved in mass participation that if other people join in and they re- and they show how it can be done sustainably, you know, you can get new people involved and, and, and it's not ma- having a massive environmental impact, we hope. Because they feel by, by do, doing it that way, it can have a, a huge impact on... Oh, on encouraging people to get involved and and there's a lot of travel once you get involvement involves travel a lot of the time so mm. it's think they're trying to think about that sustainability to them uh the model is people then profit then planet do you think that's the right order people profit planet i would almost say people and 
people and planet are synonymous. Mm. They should be almost together. People, people, and people, planet, and uh, and profit. Profit should be last. What I'm slightly dubious about is the the inclusion of profit because um, profit comes. Should profit come into sustainability unless prof, the, uh, the profit is used largely for a positive environmental purpose and not just lining someone's pocket? It's reinvesting yeah. that money, yes. Or it's, it's investing not, that money properly. It's not profit for profit's sake. It's profit for a reason, yeah. yeah. Profit to actually do something good. I mean, so um, I, I will put a link in for Limelight Sports and, and, and they've made some... They're trying to think about how they're doing it sustainably, whether or not it, you know, you think they are. It's just, just have a look. Something else I found. No, I think it's re rerun. It's a grassroots project dedicated to extending the life of sportswear and equipment, which you've started to talk about already. Yeah, yeah. So, we, but that that we've also talked about in the previous episode, I believe, with with clothing in general. Yeah. Um, you know how you can reuse repurpose. fashion industry yeah. yeah exactly we can reuse repurpose recycle mm. is the third thing to do mm. I mean I don't know how, I don't know the lifespan of a an average professional football yeah be interesting to know but um, there might be a home for retired footballs yeah they're hanging around somewhere yeah it, it, a... it's it's called the opposition goal for Man United because it never goes <laughs> it never goes there usually the, the um, that's, that's, what... a, that's a bad dig but what I notice is um, sports. Well, what do you think sportswear is about, William? What or should be about? Well, like any clothing or any anything at all, it should just be the durable. Should be made well, so it's durable, so it'll last longer, and you don't have to have you don't have to create so much of it. Helps your performance. Well, yeah, of course. Gives well, you a competitive you, so it, advantage. Yeah, well, it and it meets the requirements and standards mm. of that specific sport. You know, footballs, for example, are being made lighter and lighter and lighter, is it because they realise the the correlation between a heavy leather mm. football and and um, brain tumours? But that's what f- sportswear should be about. But yep. in, I think what it more obviously is about is fashion, fashion and money. Yeah, because you know how many times how how many times a kit is changed, so, not just football, but any sport. So that means if if a, a sports item has been bought for fashion reasons, it can be discarded easier. A bit like fast fashion, basically. Yeah, it is fast fashion because a, a football club will have a new, will have two, one or two, or even maybe even sometimes I don't know what. There's a, I think there's mm. a regulation mm. how many times you can change a, a kit in mm. a season, mm. and um, those football clubs will push it right to the limit. Mm. So you might have two or three kits, you might have a two two kits in a, in a season. Mm. And think about how many uh, replica shirts that are made, and the demand for that, and yeah, it's it builds up, doesn't it? It's a mm. lot. It's a lot of. It's a lot of material. But I had to dig down in sports clothing and the textiles and stuff because I thought well, this is getting interesting. And I I noticed that it says sports clothing is often made from synthetic petroleum-based fibers. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, and they are slow to break down if we throw them out. Yes, and the most and the most sustainable clothing um, are those that already exist that you don't use. So get them out of your cupboard and just sell them on. Yeah, again, again, yeah. I'm sat here with a pair of trousers on which I bought from a charity store mm. recently. I mean, uh, because 
it's almost, we don't want to wear somebody else's sweaty sportswear, but we're, we're sort of highlighting here that a lot of sportswear is probably never worn. So if you buy it secondhand, it's probably never been worn anyway. Or well, very rarely, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been washed. Yeah, that's a great thing about things. We've got modern technology. You can clean these clothes. Well, I find there's some sports clothing that says it wicks the sweat away. So it, it, it removes it from your body and it absorbs it. And then when you squeeze it, you think it's dry. You squeeze the item and the sweat comes out. I'd love to know where that goes. You know, it's like I had a pair of boots once that said it wicked the sweat away. And I turned the boots upside down after walking for eight hours and no sweat came out. I thought, where did that go? Goes to, the, goes to the sweat dimension. Yeah, it goes with all those spare footballs in the Manchester United away end. Yep. <laughs> Another dig there. Another dig, yep. So, um, so maybe it, it, it's the relationship we need to have with sports clothing needs to change, which is going to then influence the manufacturers. I mean, is it manufacturer-driven or consumer-driven? It's a chicken and egg situation, isn't it, really? Mm. That's, a, that's a real chicken and egg situation. Mm. It's either or. It's it's both, really. I mean, it, sportswear is often well made, so you know it can last for thirty odd years. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, but if it, I've I've seen people wear replica shirts, which are probably from like two or three, fifteen, maybe fifteen, twenty years ago, and it mm. still looks perfectly fine. You know, mm. maybe I haven't worn it that much, but it's it, it lasts. When you're out there and you're thinking of taking up a sport. Maybe we need to be driving for, for, for sharing out sports equipment that, that is already in existence. You don't need to make any more. Um, and you just uh, offer up what the stuff that's in your cupboard that you don't use or have never used or not going to use again. So, mm. um, Carline, how do you make uh, sport more sustainable, greening of sport? I think it's uh, just repurposing the, the, the clothing that's just been bought for fashion reasons or for any reason. You know, there's kit there. It doesn't need making again. And then <clears> moving <throat> on to the travel part of it as well is try to... I, I, as many If you can get as many people into one mode of transport at one time, it's going to reduce the mm. the carbon footprint automatically, isn't it? So mm. like said, a lot of football clubs do actually, for example, do have... Um, other sports clubs are the same. I remember you talking about going <clears> to Speedway in, 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 a, in a minibus. Yeah. Um, if you can get a load of people in one mm. mode of transport, maybe uh, try not to fly so much. Mm. Um, just maybe think go, about it. Maybe go by train, for example. Yeah. Um, again, it just makes that's that's how you, that's one way you can make it more sustainable. I, I mean, every absolutely everything we do has an environmental impact, and that's the problem. We're locked into systems that have environmental impacts, and it'd be nice to actually have less of an environmental impact. Yes. But maybe the environmental impact we need to think about. Well, we're obsessed with is a negative impact. Maybe we need to be actually just thinking a bit more positively and say, how can we have a positive environmental impact instead of how can we get rid of our negative one? How can we have a positive one? So instead, that sort of informs. Like, say you've got this these items of sports clothing in your cupboard. Okay, I'm not going to buy any more. Um, sports clothing that I'm never going to wear again but uh, a positive impact could be actually I'm going to actually instead of dumping this sportswear I'm not going to use into landfill yes I'm going to I'm going to give it to somebody who actually doesn't want to buy it new either value it yeah, so, yeah. but that, it, it, that does feed back into this whole fast slow fashion episode we did recently mm. 
Uh, might be worth just putting a link to that because there's definitely a good link between these two. It feels. Well, the the. It was the, we, we talked about fast and slow fashion. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll find the question out after, yeah. after we record. Okay. But the um, and the whole thing of like, if you if you've got clo- if you've got things in your house that mm. you don't use and they're mm. they're in good condition, try to re- repurpose them somehow. That could be sell them or to donate them or give them away. Um, for for a, a certain period of my life, I I was collecting football scarves from every single football club I went to. Mm. Um. And I'm literally just one of the. That's one. That's one thing. One way, especially during when Oxford were in the in, in non-league, mm. I always thought I'd, they they those clubs could do with a little bit of a financial help. So I just walk in and buy a scarf. I never never really wore them, and they were just sort of gathering dust. What my mum did subsequently to that, if she ever went near that football club, I said I gave her permission to do this. She, she'd take that scarf to that football club, um, go to the away match or whatever it is go and find a, a, a home a home fan and say, do you want this scarf? Mm. You can have it, it's yours. Mm. And give it to the person who actually wants it. Yeah. I know that's just a scarf, but it's like, that's one, mm. maybe one, one way of thinking about it, is to repurpose yeah. repurpose things. Yeah, give them away. Also packaging. Um, that, that needs looking at within the sports industry. I mean, I mentioned um, kelp and seaweed. It can be used in so many ways to in packaging. And I've also heard that some packaging you can eat afterwards yeah seaweed packaging you can eat afterwards um slightly yeah slightly differently i've I've heard on on a slight tangent here but there is a there is a mm. link here i've heard that heinz are actually going to be making the, all their bottles mm. for ketchup or out of cardboard yeah I'd, I'd be interested to know how that works mm. but that's what they, they're thinking about doing um, yep. reducing packaging and, and not using styrofoam you know the styrofoam mm. is a hideous specifically mm. hideous thing and you do so see that at a few football clubs yeah um, yeah bamboo uh, there's a big bamboo industry out there um, yes making all sorts of they do clothing out of it they do well I've known I've known bikes to be made out of bamboo yeah. T- toilet rolls anything you want and I think that there are byproducts that are waste products that aren't aren't, aren't used that could be maybe used to make sportswear maybe yes um I, I just think we need to be thinking about waste products from other industries we need to think about them differently yeah i mean it may it's amazing what human imagination can come up with so give you an example of waste products mm. that's been used to something that's completely different mm. or has been just been used and i don't know how they even come up with this idea but you know walkers have a uh, quavers yeah quavers come from they're actually where when they wash the potato wash the starch off the potatoes they realize that they could use that and that's what quavers are made out of really yeah right. they're made, literally made out of the starch from the potato washing process interesting isn't it? so instead of throwing that away because mm. that obviously is a, that, that to wash the potatoes takes a certain amount of energy mm. they're able to probably the sales of quavers pays back the money for them washing the potatoes for the main line of crisps it's fascinating mm. isn't it yeah so that the you know, that's that's a really in that's a really imaginative use for that 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 mm. byproduct so i'm surely surely somebody's going to come up with a really good really good ideas for other, other byproducts as well i mean disposal of uh sports products sports wear that needs thinking about because yes a lot of people who make this stuff are in sweatshops yeah 
in uh, in other countries being paid a pittance. So if you think about, I want to respect the person who actually went to the effort of making this, it makes you respect the garment a bit more and maybe think, well, actually, there are people out there who could use this. But this, this does this feed into the bigger, the wider world anyway? Mm. The sport, sports products are a, a, a certain line in a certain manufa- a certain line of, line of manufacturing, aren't they? Mm. Uh, it just feeds into the wider, wider manufacturing world, doesn't it? It does, but I, I do think the way sportswear is manufactured, in particular, ha- has a longer life than most garments because it's made out of sort of very petroleum-based. Yeah. Oil-based products. Potentially. So we've got years of life left in them. So it's just about using them. We talk about intergenerational thinking. Maybe we need to think, you know, we had about passport for for clothing as well, didn't we, in the previous um, episode about... um, Almost like a timeline who's owned it yeah like, yeah a bit of like a, it's a, it's a passport so it would have stamps on it mm. or, or lo- a logbook like would like have a logbook for a car yeah and i just think we need to think go beyond i haven't i don't need this anymore it throws out we need to get away from that thinking you know i don't need this anymore I'll throw it out why do you need to throw it out yeah exactly yeah exactly um covid i was thinking about that as well in relation to this um it's driven up, as you see it on the telly, it's driven up the desire, need for mass participation events because we weren't all able to meet up. No. So um, running events remotely was maybe, uh, and we're having virtual events or, or, or events local to people, it removed the need to travel. So maybe sports events need to look at how do we get our audience, the face-to-face sports events, now it's all opening up again. Maybe we need to build on that COVID thinking and say, okay, how do we transport people better? We need the audience to come and see, but how can mass transportation ever be sustainable? It doesn't necessarily have to be sustainable, but it just needs to be better. Mm. and more and closer to being perfectly sustainable yeah and like i said earlier it's like if you get the more people you can get into one mode of transport mm. the more naturally sustainable it will be anyway even even if you have if you had the same amount of people in cars do you have one in, in one coach mm. that's automatically more sustainable mm. when you've been to a big sport event how have you got there it's always public transport mm. Do you um, think you could get there better, more efficiently, uh, sustainably than public transport? Well, the public, I mean... Can I mean, public transport be organised in a better way? You, well, you've travelled all over the country for Speedway, haven't you? So, yep. so you probably would have faced different logistical challenges than I would have done. Because mm. usually the sport... Some places there are no public transport within 10 miles of these tracks. Exactly, yeah. So, But generally speaking, the, the sporting events that I've been to... So if I'm, if I'm watching Oxford United, I, I walk, cycle or take the bus... Mm. Cause it's just the easiest way of getting there, but if we're going to, if we're going outside of the, outside of the city, it generally is places that we're got, we've, we're travelling to anyway for other reasons. Mm. If we're going to go and watch a game of football, I've watched matches in York or whatever. Um, it's not been many times when I've actually driven in a public in a private car in a private vehicle to go to these things. So I'm always mm. using public transport. How I can make them more sustainable? That would be quite a challenge. I don't. Th- I would have to be 
yeah, it'll be a challenge. Mm. You know, maybe traveling more by train rather than by coach, maybe. But I've heard coaches actually are one of the most economical as far as fuel and carbon mm. footprint. It's one of the best ways of going around because you're from point or you're not you're not sort of having to get to the station and then get on a train and then get in at the other end it's just one one method of transport there do you back. think sports organizers could be think about it better and instead of having to travel from a a back to b back up to c back to back to where you started and that you could have more tours where you're away for longer so that say you're in York mm. one day and you're in Darlington the next. You haven't got to go home. So you haven't, you know, could, could the organisers think about it better? Um, they probably, yeah, probably, probably doesn't even occur to them, does it? It all depends on the, on, on how. Well, it should. Yeah, how, and it all depends on how you, how you can organise that as mm. far as the matches are concerned. You know, yep. your training facilities are, you want to be using your own training facilities rather than going out elsewhere. There's a cost involved with that, of course, mm. as well, isn't there? Mm. And uh, sports clubs are always trying to keep their costs down as much as possible because they're already pretty high anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it all cut off with sustainability, with transportation, it all comes down to the method of transport. Okay, Caroline from Timmouth in Devon. The question, could you explore sustainability in green and the greening of sport? Do you think we've done enough on that? I think we've explored it quite well. It's a vast subject. They all they're all vast subjects, mm. aren't they? We get so many. Oh, the police are probably yeah. can't. Probably might not be. Can you pick that up on the mic? Just, just about. Yeah, uh, they're here to. They're here to. Um, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't yeah. know what I'm saying. Let me. I'm waffling. Mm. I had I had a thought in my head, but it's completely gone. Mm. Um, I think we've got. I think we've explored this long enough now. Okay, so. Uh, Carline, that was your first question. You have another one in a, in a few episodes' time, but we've got a, a run of new listeners sending us questions. Um, next, we've got Samir from Algeria. Then we've got Fanaka from Kenya, both women. I've looked up the names. Then we've got Mado from Argentina, another woman, and Ramona from Paraguay. These are all new um, questioners. And new countries as well. New I've, countries. Uh, Algeria is definitely new. First, that's the first question from Algeria. First Kenya's question from Kenya, new, I think. Yeah, I, no, I think we've had one from Kenya, haven't we? Oh, I can't remember. Oh, we've, we've had one talking about the, the cut flower industry when we referred to yeah. Kenya. Yeah, well done. Um, Mad, Mado, Argentina is definitely a new one. I'm, I'm sure Paraguay is as well. Yeah, never, yeah. So keep joining us and share this episode with five of your friends. Six of your friends. And I just tell them we're here and help us keep growing. We're, we're, we've got uh, an inordinate amount of questions come in again. We've got 23, to, no, 22 to get through. Um, yeah. We put out a plea a while back and uh, we're getting more questions. We've had a surge of questions coming in from Staffordshire. I said Staffordshire in Northern England or North Midlands, should I say? Not sure if it's Northern England. That's normally reserved for Pedro. I say Pedro. Yeah, I know. What does it? What do you do for a living? Yeah, I think he sells microchips out of in a back out of the back of a min, min, out the back of a Nissan Sunny out the back of the local spa shop. But I don't know. That's easy for you to say. 